0: Growing Up Sucks. Just ask Eric Lauber, father of 320-somethings and a college professor for decades. Eric helps young adults get smarter, richer, healthier, and happier on the adulting podcast, Growing Up Sucks. Hey, Tristan, uh, welcome to Growing Up Sucks, the adulting podcast. And I'm here to try to help anybody from age 17 up um, kind of deal with what life throws at them. And uh, we did communicate a little bit ahead of time, so I kind of know where you're heading with this. But before we get into it, let me hear a little bit about you. Who are you?
1: Uh, thank you for having me on your show. My name is Tristan. I am a student in college, 22 years old. Right now, I'm a senior. I'm kind of towards the end of my uh, my collegiate career, but it, man, has it been a ride. And I'm, uh, as you said, we have a topic to talk about and I can't wait. I'm sure that you can maybe provide some insight that I probably never
0: thought about. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> you, can, you can judge that at the end of the session, so you can tell me. So um, you're going to talk about relationship with your parents. Why don't you, why don't you launch into that? So, before I want to, before I start
1: this, I have to say I love my parents. They have done more for me than I think I'll ever be able to understand. You know, they always talk about how whenever I'm a parent, I'll get it. And I'm sure that, that, that that's true. I'm sure once I'm a parent, I'm like, oh, that's why they did that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've been very close with my parents for a long time. I feel like as I've become older that I've become even closer with them because, like I said, I kind of, I get it now. I get why, you know, I couldn't hang out with a certain group of kids whenever I was in high school because that was a bad group of kids who aren't doing too great right now in life. Mm -hmm. And so, but I have found as of late, as I've tried to move out of the nest, that I've hit some walls in that sense. And I want to know if you've felt that whenever your kids were growing up in college. I know your kids are a little bit older than I am. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my kids are 24, 26, 27 at the moment. Uh, Boy, girl, boy. And yeah, so uh, the question of, you know, you get out of, you're in, you're nearing the end of college and you want to move on is what I hear is the center of this topic. But, you know, behind that is just your overall relationship with your parents. and, And being able to be open with them and talking about things that Uh, you want to talk about but of course can they be open with you and talk about things they want to talk about i I will just be up front and say parents are always going to be in protective mode (laughs) even though my my oldest is 27 i still want to protect him and that means i bring up stuff that he doesn't want to talk about (laughs) (laughs) i get that one he's he's cool about it because He'll give me a he'll give me a couple sentences and then he'll make it obvious that you know all right that's that's as, that's enough you know <laughs> and then my wife will say why don't you quit asking him that question <laughs> you know, obviously he doesn't want to talk about it and because I'm a more forward kind of guy I don't, I'll bring up anything I'm running a podcast to talk about anything mm-hmm. so clearly but most people are not they're more reserved and they they think there's there's boundaries and uh, so I, I can't. I can't dispute the fact that they're always going to be nosy because it comes out of, like you said, love. It's, it's that protection that just doesn't go away. I don't know. Maybe when my kids are 30, I'll stop doing it, but (laughs) I raised them for 18 years and took care of them every single day. My wife and I, how do I stop that? How do I stop being worried about who they're talking to, what they're doing? What are they eating? Are they working out? You know, are they doing drugs or alcohol? Any of that stuff I'm worried about every day. Fortunately, I don't think about it every day now. <laughs> yeah, like they're right. out of sight. They're out they're out of my house.
1: You sound like my mother in, in the sense of of being more forward. She, there is not a single question she's afraid to ask, and she's not afraid to let her mind be told either. She doesn't like something she'll tell you. Hey, I don't like that. Not like, hey, maybe you should try to stop doing that. You know, maybe that's not. Su- no, stop doing that or we're going to have a problem. Stop that. So I get that. Yeah.
0: And so I have to bring up what I think is the second most important message. Uh, Parenting is supposed to raise an independent adult. If you survey any family therapist or child psychologist, and and it's just, it's a trick question. They ask all the parents on the first day, what do you think the goal of parenting is? And they're sitting there waiting for the parents to say, oh, to make them happy. And that's not it. Actually, The, the goal is to make them independent. And not every parent has been, ever been told that story. <laughs> they don't know that that's actually supposed to be the goal. They, they lose sight of that goal because they're so busy taking care of you for 18 straight years, however long it takes. So uh, this is maybe something you could bring up with them. You, know, you, could, you could gently say, you know, what you really want me to be is independent. Right? You want me to be a fully functioning adult that does his own thing and can handle whatever comes his way. So this is a step in that direction. That's what I'm trying to do here. I might do it separately, since you never know what reaction you're gonna get. You don't want one piggybacking off the other, because you might get completely different reactions to that. But that might be a starting place and say, I know the goal here is for me to be independent. I'm 22 now, let's give this a try. Now, independent uh, can mean many things. Are you gonna be financially independent at 22 and a half? 23. Um,
1: I I have a paid internship, but you and I both know paid internship and career are two very financially different things. I'm still going to be on their health insurance uh, for the most part. I'm still going to have my car insurance under their name, but I'm trying to find um, housing in Indiana to hopefully, you know, like I said, so that I can pay for it and I can stay up here and continue to run Um, things under my internship by myself
0: okay that's admirable Have you have you put a budget together um yes
1: and no there are some things that i'm not quite sure about yet because Mm -hmm. right now my internship is so they they're trying to get things in place they're trying to move some financial things around um but there's nothing set in stone they can't tell me how much it's going to be quite yet so i haven't Mm -hmm. put anything into ink in terms of a budget but i do know i have a place in mind i figured out monthly costs uh, i've i've kind of divvied up my diet and i've seen what i'll be able to keep in it and what i won't be able to keep in. It. and there are some things that i've had to look at um i'm a big gym guy i go to the gym five days a week i'm a big bodybuilder and whatnot but i've had to make i've had to come to terms with the idea that i might not be able to afford to go to a gym during my internship, you know, during my three months of summer, I may not be going to a gym because that's just not in the budget for me.
0: Right. Right. Well, that's, that's very mature and very independent. That's making a decision on your own. That's not in my budget. I can't do it. But this is, have you talked about this with your parents about your expectations, how much budgeting you've done all of that? I have. And
1: they don't understand why I want to move out of the house. They're like, but this is free. You can stay in the house for free. You don't have to make a budget. You don't have to pay for this and this and this. You don't have to not go to the gym. You can get your paid internship and stay at home. But I found when I stay at home, my time gets divvied up with things that aren't my internship. Uh, my parents do a horse barn. So I'm over there five mm-hmm. days a week <laughs> instead of going to the gym. So, and I'm, I'm afraid of, other priorities being put in place over top of, of things that I need to do. Well, the, so they have you do work. I mean, is it contributing to the business? Yeah. Um, pick horse stalls. I, you know, take care of the animals along with them. A lot of the heavy lifting because they don't want to admit it, but they're, they're not the heavy lifters that they used to be. You know, some of those right. things they just can't physically keep up with anymore. So your moving out is going to impact that. To an extent. Yeah. Um, I still have three more siblings behind me that that are still at home well one's still at home two are in college and they still go home quite often to help out with the family
0: business there okay so what i'm asking is there's not gonna it's not a financial burden on them to have you move out and stop helping
1: yeah no it's not a financial burden because the top of the barn they have their own jobs um my dad's in okay contract manager for an architect company my mother's a nurse at a hospital so they're they're very financially uh, set up for themselves
0: so that's not the biggest issue, is it, because that that does happen too sometimes. Where the parents are like, look, we can't have you move out now because mm-hmm. uh, we can't afford to have you move out now. Yeah, I get that, but that's not the story. Well, I I think that my only concern, if I were, were your parent, was, well, it's fine and dandy for you to move out for three months, but what if you got to move back back home again at the end of the three months? I mean, is this really you moving out and moving out, or is this you going back to college for three months? And then you're coming back home. You don't know the answer to that yet, do you?
1: No. um, I've spoke with my internship and I've, I've told them, I said, listen, I want this internship to turn into a career as all people with an internship do. And they've, they've told me that they're interested in it, but this is still um, not a very big business. Um, It's in the early Mm -hmm. stages of the startup. It's four guys who wanted to do their own thing. And so they got together and started this company and they do well for themselves, but You know, still with a younger company like that, that's not as proven, you still have to worry, you know, what happens if the legs fall off from underneath it? What happens if something happens and they just bankrupt? Hey, sorry, kid. We just can't do it anymore. Well, then
0: you go on the market and you get yourself another job. I mean, that's, if anything, you're, you're coming out at a much better time than say last year. Everybody expects the economy to do much better in the next few months and in the next year's and being a recent college grad is going to be in a much better position than it was 12 months ago at the start of COVID. So, you know, I, I think if you're willing to take on that nervousness that will come from maybe one day you get called in the office and say, look, we're not going to be able to hire you. What can you do? So it's your intention. This is kind of the permanent move out. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's, that's my intention. But like I said, you know, you still, especially with COVID, even though it is getting better, I'm still nervous that, you know, it could happen. Hey, kid. Listen, um, that apartment that you're in, that you moved into because we need you to stay here, um, we can't afford for you to be in there
0: anymore. Well, I would definitely sign a short-term lease, about right, a three-month lease. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and everything. Well, I'll, be, I'll go back to where we started from. When, when our kids went through college, I'll, I'll be honest, there was only one summer that any of them, and only one of them did it once, came home with us. From freshman year on, all three of our kids stayed somewhere else. Wow. Except for the one time. uh, uh, One of them came back after their freshman year and stayed here that summer. And we said to you, well, you're mainly on your own. They all had to work, sometimes two jobs, to stay where they wanted to stay. But they made it it happen. I remember one having a – it was a disaster of a summer. I mean, they lived on, (laughs) you know, ramen noodles as far as I know, but – I don't know how they financially made it through, but they were determined to do it on their own and they cut everything out of their budget because they weren't going to move back home. <laughs> they liked where they were. They were with friends. They were at a different city and made it work. And of course we were there as backstop. You know, it wasn't like we never gave them a $20 bill if I saw him or, you know, we didn't help out if they ever made a phone call, but the expectation was, you know, well, you're moving out you're moving out, you know, you got to swing it on your own now. Now for us, and I tell you, every family is different in this regard. So I don't really think that I'm a role model. We could we could afford their car insurance. They were still on our health care plan. You know, there are some costs that they didn't have. Um, but, and we still helped out with college. So all their college expenses, we would split up and they would pay some and we would pay some. So, you know, that's what we did. I I think that if uh, and you're the oldest, is that what you said?
1: I am. I'm the oldest. I have a younger sister who's actually my roommate, who's a year behind me. Um, I have a yeah. younger brother who's a freshman in college. Go, both of them go to the same school that I do. Uh-huh. And I have a youngest sister who's a freshman in high
0: school. Was I think being the oldest, this you're the you're the uh, hacking your way through the forest guy. <laughs> oh yeah. You. This is the first time your parents are going to have to have this conversation with a, a come to. Coming soon, college grad, and and it it may not be the prettiest one because of that. It's going to be a lot easier by the fourth one.
1: <laughs> oh, I I know. Like whenever I told my parents I didn't want to live on campus anymore, they I had this big long talk with them. I had to, like you said, I had to map out um, my budget and everything like that, and what was going to pay for what. And when the next one came behind, they they were like, "Oh, we know what to do because yeah. Tristan already did it."
0: Yeah, that's just the burden of being the first. Yeah, so. I would lead with safety. I would lead with, look, mom and dad. You know that I don't get into this kind of trouble. You know I'm not hanging out with these people. You know that I'm not, you know, risking my health. I'm not betting on Bitcoin right now. You know, and and you know, risking all my finances. I'm not doing anything other than just working towards my career in a very logical, very mature way. So you know, there's no big reason for me not to do this. Like if you would. If you'd had run-ins with the law, if you were such a heavy drinker that I was really concerned about you moving off by yourself, I don't I don't know you at all, Tristan, but I'm just saying, there are things that would make me you know, say, look, you got to convince me that you're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. But I don't hear that in the conversation. And that's between you and your parents. You know, What does safe mean in that context? Mm-hmm. That, but I, I think that's where I would also want to put them at ease because- you know, being independent means you're taking care of yourself in all ways. <laughs> that's financial, that's health, that's social. You know, can you find friends someday, someone to love? You know, are you part of a community? Are you getting out there? Are you doing things to help others? Do you feel connected to the people around you? You know, and all those things are com- combined into that thriving concept that I talked about in an earlier episode called well being. Mm-hmm. and if you're going to be in charge of your life, those are all, all those things are now your responsibility. But that's conv- now, now it's about convincing your parents. So let's talk about the differences between the parents. What, you mentioned that earlier, but go ahead and say it again. I was
1: going to say, so my dad is a little bit more easygoing. Um, and I don't know if that's just a guy thing um, or if that's just my dad. I, he has a law of faith. I've, had to prove a lot of things to him um, throughout my life that I can be an adult, I can be mature um, and that I can be a college student basically. And he's, he's a little bit more relaxed. He's a little bit more, um, like it's a little more easygoing, a little bit more approachable. That's the word I wanted to use. My mother being is a very emotional person. And I don't mean that in a bad way. She just, she's very passionate about things. She's very passionate about being a mother. She's very passionate about being there for her kids. She's very passionate about um, her work and her family. And so whenever you, whenever I bring up tough things to talk about with her, it can be a little off-putting because she gets very emotional very quickly when my dad is like okay let's sit down let's talk about this you know if you're going to move out you have to give me a reason why you should move out you should give me a reason that I should believe you can be on your own but for her I feel that she feels I guess betrayed that I would want to move out you know I've, she's worked so hard to set up this home for me and this place for me to stay and thrive and now I don't want to be there anymore
0: yeah. so do you did you feel that whenever your kids wanted to move away, or no, uh, <laughs> that that wasn't what we were going through? But maybe this is a piece of it. I was always concerned that we would just lose touch with them. It's really hard on the parent when you've had daily interactions with this this creature that you love, and you've raised, and then they move out, and you're like, when are we going to talk? Maybe if you would bring up something like, "Hey, I promise to call every week," you know, "I promise that we're going to connect." on a regular basis. So you can hear how I'm doing and I can hear how you're, I want to be part of your life too, even though I'm away and we're lucky now because we have technology that does that. Right. Mm-hmm. When I grew up, we didn't have that. I mean, I went to college. I had to plan a phone call Sunday at six and I had to be on the pay phone down the hall. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cause I didn't even, I couldn't afford a phone in my own room and that was wow. an option. So that was a different lifestyle back then. I almost made you more independent now that I think back on it. Um, Because you just, you weren't in touch with your parents hardly at all. Except you went home for break. Um, So maybe that's part of it. But I have an earlier episode. I talk about having tough conversations. And I want you to go back and listen to that. Because it's about Mm -hmm. assertiveness. And it's about uh, recognizing that emotions often are biological reactions in the moment. Like adrenaline shoots through you. And you really can't control That the tears might start that the shaking might start that you might get a chill that you're having you're having a very strong emotional reaction but you can also disconnect from that a bit and say all right i'm really emotional right now but then again it's a bodily reaction Mm -hmm. and doesn't mean my mind has to go crazy i can still think i can still process but you won't process as clearly because adrenaline will also narrow your cognition it will make you go into overlearned behaviors and you won't have that flexibility of thought that allows you to see new options. So I would think with the mom it's a it's a multiple conversation. You know, it's let's get the first one out of the way so we can get to the second one. <laughs> mm-hmm. When she's calmer and I'm calmer and there's more flexibility of cognition, there's more adjusting to the shock of these ideas mm-hmm. and now can we problem solve and have a third and a fourth. The other thing that I, I always recommend for couples, but I guess it would even work in this, is to do a postpartum on the difficult conversation. The post postmortem, excuse me, <laughs> the, the the postmortem means after death. After the conversation, the next day when everybody's calm, like, bring up the conversation and, and dissect it a little bit, and say, you know, when you said that, here's how I reacted, and then they can say, well, when you said this, this is how. We reacted, and everybody gets wiser for the next conversation. You're not really bringing up the topic again. You're bringing out the mechanics of the argument, and then when you get into it again, you know what to avoid because, oh, last time you know this went off on the tailspin. This took a left turn. I, I'll try not to do that, and it really helped. My wife and I've done this for thirty years, and it's made our it's made our arguments shorter. I'll say that, <laughs> but you know, very efficient. But but more importantly, you know, better because. I'm not spending so much time being defensive about this or that because I know she doesn't mean it that way now. But when she said it the first time, this is what I was thinking. And now like, oh, she doesn't mean that she's trying to say this other thing. And uh, that could, that could work in a parent child relationship too. Cause you're the point is you're going to have many more conversations with this person or couple. Why not work on those communication styles that you're having and get them worked out. If anything, my kids know how I communicate and I think they work around it. <laughs> and, and I think, I think I do the same with them. And I think we do a whole family learns the dynamics of how people, but the point of the point of the earlier episodes in the podcast were, but we don't want to fall back into say passive aggressive or passive, but just because one, a person is emotional and, and, and comes out with things a little stronger doesn't mean everybody else has to back off. Because and, and, what they'll end up doing is hiding information from them because they don't want to have that super strong emotional reaction. They don't want to get into that fight. They don't want to have that confrontation. And that isn't really the answer. The answer is to get through it and get to a solution on the other end. right? Where both, we're to win-win. We're both, like people are, both people have to be comfortable with the solution to this. It might be, <laughs> it might be rough in the first few stages of this, but have hope and faith that it'll work out in the end once you get past that adrenaline surge, which gonna, which comes quicker for some people than others. Uh, for example, my wife doesn't have adrenaline surges. <laughs> she does not get wound up. She's never that mad. She never shouts. It's always really even. She calls me the roller coaster, where I don't think I am. I think I'm a fairly calm kind of guy. But compared to her, I'm a roller coaster. But we learn that and we navigate that, right? That's something that we accommodate. I think my kids know this too. I think they they know how to handle that. They, there's nothing wrong with not yet knowing everything you want to know about how to have a relationship with your parents. You're just 22. You just became an adult yourself, and so there's always a separation process. That's natural, right? Mm. So anything I said made sense or something? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I liked what you were talking about the whole, you know, have the conversation with her at the start, but don't, that's not going to be it. You know, I have to talk to her again and again and again and learn from all those conversations so that, you know, like you said, I'm going to have far more difficult conversations with them. You know, I, I think about the conversation my parents are having right now, um, with their parents about moving them to a, um, a retirement home and that is an incredibly difficult conversation for them. And it's, you know, I think about what happened, you know, I'm going to have to have difficult conversations like that with them in the future. So why not get started now on being able to talk to them about stuff like that?
0: Yes. Yes. And, and again, uh, if you listen to the earlier episode, there's there's a lot of advice in there. Like th- things like you don't want to shut them off. You don't want to you know someday walk away and say I'm never talking to you again. That would be, that's the worst scenario. Yeah. We also, but you also can't not have tough conversations. That's a bad scenario. Yeah. Let me tell you, it took us six years to talk my parents to move into a retirement village. Oh wow. And I give my sister most of the credit because she's the closest <laughs> and she had most of those conversations. And but I jumped in on them six years before we finally got them to agree to it so it's it's a process and they're happy as clams now i mean they really like the place but they had to move out of a house they've been in for 47 years that's tough Yeah, it's tough hey you're asking them to give up parenting this person they've had for 22 years that's the same thing (laughs) oh yeah
1: i wonder if that's you know i think about the midlife crisis you know this their whole life has revolved around taking care of their kids. Mm-hmm. I'm about to move out. My little sister's gonna be right behind me next year. And then my little brother three year or two years after that. And and then they're gonna have one who's gonna be a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. So now what?
0: Now what? Yeah, that and that's a that's a whole nother podcast. But <laughs> and I don't know how to have that conversation with, with the kids of the parents because I've mm-hmm. had that conversation with people my age. Like my wife and I were scared to death. What's it going to be like without kids? And we were afraid we wouldn't like each other. <laughs> you know, what? What are we going to talk about? You know, what are we going to spend our time doing since we'd spent so much time? Yeah, you know, and uh, I do Podcast. Yeah, I know this is way down the road. <laughs> we're, we've been in this mode now for a long time. I, I, I just, I'll just give you one answer that we give to other couples. We're like, she started a, um, a board where we have to fill it every year with the things that we do outside the house, like events that we go to trips that we take. I forgot what you called it. Something board, uh, trip board, maybe. And we did that. We filled the board with little mementos. If we go someplace, we grab a, a coaster or a, po- a postcard, or we put up the airline ticket and we filled it. And we've done that for eight straight years. Uh, I think it's been eight Once My youngest son moved to college. That's when we started this. And every year we fill that board. And I think it was key that first couple of years to have that as a mission is to just do a bunch of stuff out of the house together.
1: May I need to do that? May I do things where, wherever I am, whether I'm in Indiana or um, I'm trying to move with my, uh, my, my girlfriend's trying to take up a job in Pittsburgh. So eventually that's where I plan to move. And so may I need to start working on things like that, being able to bring my parents to Indiana or to Pittsburgh. So to make them feel like, yeah, I'm out of the house, but I'm not gone.
0: Right. Right. It, it's a difficult process to, and every child navigates it and ends up in a different place with every parent. It's not like there's a cookie cutter here. And, and there's not even a template <laughs> because who could have said, what, to, what, what would we do during COVID? Right. Yeah. Cause the universe doesn't stand still. And these are all very complex dynamics between parent and child, but, You know, the goal is you're an independent adult who has a friendship with your parents, maybe flatters them with a phone call occasionally. I need your advice, dad, about something that you maybe don't even need his advice for, but it makes him feel good. That's that's what I feel. Whenever my kids call me for advice and that, you know, they they humor me maybe because they're all super smart and so they probably don't need to talk to me ever, but it feels good when they say they need my advice. I think Tristan, this is going to go okay. I think it's because you're so. the first. It, there's no roadmap in your family yet, and it's that's why it's the toughest one. Um, but you know, you you maybe trigger a thought. You, when I talked about that road trip board, it was having that goal to have these repeated events that we could always look forward to and have this momentum. You could set something like that up with your parents. And if it's not a phone call, it's number of visits. It's number of times, you know, we do X, Y, or Z. We're we're going to make this work because we're going to stay in contact this particular way or, or ways, plural. And we're going to do that for, for several months, and I'm going to commit to it. You're going to commit to it, and we're going to discover that this is a fantastic relationship that we have. Sound good?
1: That sounds fantastic. I,
0: I hope that that's how it works out. Well, I think it'll work out, (laughs) but it's going to be some tough conversations in between. Yeah. And
1: thanks to you, I think I'm a little bit more prepared to have those tough conversations.
0: Okay. Hey, Tristan, get back in touch sometime. I'd love to hear how this worked out. Oh, I I definitely plan to. Don't worry about that. All right, buddy. Hey, thanks for checking in today. We'll talk to you next time. Yep. Same with you. Thank you for listening to the Growing Up Sucks podcast with Eric Lover.